This is Valerie Van Boeven with the Senior Care Industry Netcast, where leaders with three or more years in the senior care industry share their advice in just a few minutes. So let's get to it. In a few sentences, tell us who you are and what you do. Uh, I am so happy to be here. My name is Tina Ketchy Stearns. I've worked in the hospice industry for 13 years, and the last two and a half to three years, I've been in the assisted living, memory care, senior living uh, industry. And I uh, educate medical professionals about hospice, how to have difficult conversations. They really don't love those conversations. That's not why they went to medical school. Um, and so they really struggle with it. Um, and you know, we get boomers coming along. There's 10,000 of us turning 65 every day. So my goal is to help these people in the next 20, 30 years not hate their jobs because they're having so many of those end of life conversations simply because of our aging population. So that's the bulk of what I do. Well, that's okay. So let me see if I got this straight because I love this. So you teach medical students and nurses or just doctors? Uh, medical professionals, whether they're students or practicing physicians, um, nurse practitioners, physicians assistants, nurses, anybody that is working with patients and families that have a potentially life-limiting illness. Oh my goodness. And it is such a hard conversation to have. And all of our hospice people are angels. Uh, we've had some really nice, some very good medical directors of hospices on here. And it does take a special person in a special kind of way to talk to folks during these difficult times. Yeah, so, I, mean, I, think they, I think they have a real calling for it. Now, I'm not clinical. I don't want anybody to get any misconceptions. Um, I educate yeah. um, because there are just so many basics about hospice, what it is, what it's not, when it's time to call for a consult. Um, people just don't know whether it's the general population, the caregiver and their loved one, or the medical professionals. They just, they just don't really know. So it's wonderful once they get it and they've had the training then it's like, whew, you know, they can. They know it's time to refer on. And they know it's time to talk to the hospice specialists in their life. And yeah, yeah. And, they, and they're not as afraid of it. Yeah. Once they understand what it is and what it isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And understanding how to talk about it, I think, is probably half the battle. How the words to use and what's okay to say and, you know, how to say it is okay. And it's okay to be emotional about it with your patient who's been your patient for all these years or whatever no, I'm sure there's a million things I don't know about it but, no, but that's, um, that's exactly right that's exactly as, right. as a nurse I didn't work in the I mean you know worked in critical care so lots of death and you know happiness and sadness but um, having uh, not experienced hospice as a nurse uh, I, I can imagine I understand completely how this is a very difficult conversation to have for anybody yeah. okay that's that's a uh, that's amazing. So thank you for being an educator and helping all of us in the in the medical profession be better stewards of our resources and understand how to talk to folks who are in this difficult place. So that's yeah, yeah. I mean, I love it. They they really need their medical providers to be there to love and support them when they need it the most. And if the medical professional is just really tripping over their tongue or just uncomfortable with the whole topic they can make it difficult. So what I like to say is I like to 
turn the most dreaded conversation of the day into one of their most rewarding, meaningful conversations they'll have all day. How nice is that? That is so nice. What a great way to approach this. Oh, yes, we need a thousand more of you all over the place. <laughs> we sure do. That's right. All right. Well, what is the best thing? Now, I usually ask, what is the best thing about serving seniors and their families? But I'm going to ask you, what's the best thing about serving these medical professionals and the families that come along with it? I just think the look of relief on their face once they've gone through the training and they understand that they don't have to feel like a failure if they couldn't cure the illness. They can do it in a way that the patient and family feel loved and supported. They don't feel like they dropped them like a rock. Um, it's, it's just the um, National Hospice Ribbon is on my wall. It says it's about how you live. And every hospice medical director will tell you, we're not helping people die. We're helping people live until they die. And that's a very perfect tagline for the National Hospice Ribbon, where most people think, well, that makes no sense. It's about how you live. You know, that's hospice is about death and dying. No, it's really about making the most and making memories and really embracing those last chapters of your loved one's life mm -hmm. uh, so that you can, um, I, I, I like to say, um, I look at a good death and a bad death is um, a bad death is when they're regrets mm -hmm. and a good death is when they're not regrets and yeah. there are ways to have conversations with your loved one. Let's say you're the family members. Mm -hmm. ways to have conversations with their loved one that can really bring them closer together than they've ever been before when they get comfortable with talking about what are your wishes, what do you want, what don't you want, and then when the medical professionals understand how to have these conversations. I'll give you one great example. Um, instead of saying there's nothing more we can do, uh, what I'd like them to say is something like, I'd like to introduce an additional plan of care to help with this transition. Oh, very so nice. care doesn't stop. It's more care laid on top of all the other care you've been getting. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to lay on some additional care to help with this transition. Very nice. Very nice. And it is about how you live because if you think about it, if you die suddenly in a car accident or have a heart attack and die, you are living your life until that moment it was over. So in the case of having a critical terminal illness or a long-term terminal illness, you don't, you just kind of know a little bit more about when that time might come. You don't know exactly, but you know it's coming. So it's about how you live up until that moment that it, it's over. I mean, I, I, it kind of makes sense to me that you want to be as comfortable Mm -hmm. and as feel as loved and as, as embraced as you possibly can until that moment. And a lot so, of people have different views about how they want to yeah. live out the last chapters and months of their lives. Some people want lots of family and friends around. Some people want to travel. Some people just want to rock on the front porch. Um, but it's important that once family members understand and accept the very sad reality mm -hmm. that this person likely has six months or less to estimated end of life. That's what makes you eligible for hospice. Really two things. Estimated um, prognosis of six months or less to end of life and no longer seeking curative treatment. Yeah. So those two things together make you eligible for hospice. And when I said six months, I didn't say six days. I didn't say six weeks. <laughs> That's right. Months. 
So the number one thing families say is they wish they'd called sooner. So if we only have a week or two to work with the patient and family, that's not a lot of time to make a lot of memories. But if we got months, then we can make some things happen. My mother, a month and a half before she died, said she wanted to go to the beach, drink tequila sunrise on the beach at sunset. Mm -hmm. uh, we were able to do that because she was in hospice for four months. So there was time to make that memory. And we've got photos and it's just a really one of the most cherished memories I have with my mother mm -hmm. is one of her last wishes. And she had hospice care long enough that, you know, we can make that happen. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, that's right. So don't wait until it's really late in the game. Start a little sooner than later. Because hospice benefits can be extended. Let's say you didn't pass away in six months. I mean, you can still continue with hospice if, if you know, with doctor's orders and you know, obviously the things are reassessed a little bit and all that. So, and, that, and that's really pretty common because if hospice is doing its job, they're managing your pain and symptoms. That's their specialty is pain and symptom management. So if they're doing their job, you probably will, or many, many times, they will live past that six months, which is great. Mm -hmm. So then we're at the six months, they're still with us. And so the doctor then has to determine, do I still feel like we're in a six month window to end of life? And if they do, then hospice just rolls forward. On the flip side of that, sometimes people perk up so much, the do doctor can't say, I can't really say it's six months or less. So they're discharged and they go live their life. And when they need hospice down the road, they'll be there. Yeah. My dad is a perfect example of that. He has dementia. And there was a point in time where we thought just because of his symptomology, this is it. He's on hospice. And hospice was amazing. Um, and it, long story short, transitioned to over to a nursing home where he had 24-hour care. And they were able to do things that the family wasn't able to do. So manage his medications better, wean him off some things that were giving him symptoms that were making him look like he was at the end of his life. Right. Um, so once they weaned him off a few things, um, then he perked up and went from a few months to, and he was off of hospice. And now although he still has dementia and he needs to live with 24 hour care, he's not that sick. I mean, he's, you know, he's, He's, yeah, so it can go either way. I, I totally see that. Um, but we were very prepared and very pleased that hospice was so supportive and willing to do what, anything that they could to help him manage whatever symptoms he was having and help his wife and all those things. So Yeah, that's very great. Have been great experience a lot. It does. Mm -hmm. Okay, so obviously I told you I talk a lot. So there we, you, you, you see how that works. Okay, so I'm going to switch gears for just a second and talk about online marketing. It's mm -hmm. hard for us to do things in person right now, especially, um, but generally speaking, what has been your experience with online marketing? I'm sure that you do a lot of, of your stuff is online, especially now. Well, in fact, this whole Zoom situation, I do a weekly video blog. Um, I try to keep it to less than five minutes, hopefully more closer to three minutes on topics ranging from advanced care planning hospice and palliative care, senior living, caregiving, and grief. Um, and so I just kind of mix those topics up week by week by week. But every single Tuesday, I post a video blog. Um, and that's been the best online marketing that I've been able to come up with. It's kind of like a video newsletter, if you will, but I also put it on social media and 
LinkedIn, Twitter, that kind of thing. <clears throat> and um, that to me has been the best way for me to connect with the most people. But again, keeping it short and consumable. If it's, if it's a weekly thing, they don't want to listen to 20 minutes every week. Um, so that, I found that to be really, really helpful and successful. I understand. And you're right. And yeah, we try to keep these fairly short. Now, I always say nine minutes, but we're going to stop saying nine minutes. But still, <laughs> we try to keep it like 15 minutes and under. All right. Um, makes a good podcast yeah. length and video. It's watchable. And, you know, so yeah, I totally get it. I think small bites are what people need. Yep. And I believe you're, that's a great way, a great way to get the word out to people and to continue to be in front of them. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right. I would imagine in your career and in your life, there have been other organizations, you just mentioned one earlier, um, or other people who have really done a great job or meant a lot to you. Who would you like to give a shout out to? Oh, my goodness. So we have a lot of veterans. Uh, of course, the World War II veterans are far and few between anymore. But there is a woman named Deborah Grassman who has cared for 10,000 dying veterans. She is pretty much the guru of caring for uh, veterans at the end of their life. So I would love for your listeners to Google her, Deborah Grassman. Um, her company now is called Soul Injury. So she has broadened her reach to not only veterans, but really anybody that's had some sort of soul injury. Um, like an example might be a child that was terribly bullied and they mm -hmm. carry that on into their adult life. Mm -hmm. um, but she's fabulous. And then there's a wonderful doctor. He's retired now, but his name is Dr. Ed Edward Shaw. And he's in Winston-Salem where I am. He co-authored a book called, um, hold on now, cause I've, I have two books in my head. Many people have heard the book, The Five Love Languages, mm -hmm. that's by um, Dr. Chapman. So Dr. Chapman and Dr. Shaw together wrote a book called um, Keeping Love Alive as Memories Fade, The Five Love Languages and the Alzheimer's Journey. Wow. So Dr. Shaw was using the love languages in his counseling of Alzheimer's patients and their families. And then these two men got together and with another gal wrote this book that is amazing. So Keeping Love Alive is Memories Fade, The Five Love Languages and the Alzheimer's Journey. It was really about Dr. Dr. Shaw's wife, Rebecca, who passed away after nine years with Alzheimer's. So it's a fabulous book. He's a wonderful fellow speaker, everything. Um, I mean, there are many, many people. I mean, I can't even begin to name all the people that have been wonderful influences. Um, but Deborah Grassman and Dr. Edward Shaw are at the top. All right. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. And what I always tell people is we ask you for a shout out for organizations or people or whoever means a lot to you because, um, we can learn from that and we will definitely make sure we Google those people. And I always highlight them, um, yeah. we put poster videos. So people will be able to see those names and, and learn more about those folks and the books that they've written it will help so many yes. uh, professionals and consumers. So, all right. What piece of advice would you give to senior care providers or healthcare providers of any kind who are especially dealing with end of life issues? Well, <clears throat> the first thing I want to say is with this COVID situation, um, it amazes me how many families, Think because they can't do a face-to-face -face visit with their loved one, just may not even go by and go to the window or 
Oh my goodness, that's so not true. Um, the seniors really need to know that you love them, you miss them, you're still there for them. So please, if your loved one is in a senior living community or even if they're just um, isolation in their own home, go to the window, do the window visits. There's this great product called Eversound that a lot of communities have that is um, headphones that the family member would have on and the resident would have on and there's a little transmitter thing. Um, anyway, the sound quality is such that you forget there's glass in between you. So it's really wonderful. So please, just because of COVID, just because um, touching and face-to-face -face visit is not possible, please go by, even if you like take a little gift, chocolates or fruit or whatever, and you have a picture of the family on there, or just anything to make sure those seniors know you're thinking about them. That is extremely important. Um, <clears throat> the other thing for caregivers is caregivers are really bad at taking care of themselves. And I have this medicine woman gal, um, white star woman, who I've worked with for 10 years now. And the year 2010 was a year of true generosity. And what that means is, yes, it's important to give. We all know it's important to give, but it's equally important to receive. So my point is, is if you've ever offered to do something for someone and they said, no, I'm good, it's okay. It hurts your heart just a little bit because they said no. Well, white star woman would say they're being stingy because they're not letting you serve them. So when a caregiver is approached by hospice or a neighbor who wants to bring them dinner or whatever, that caregiver needs to learn to say yes. If somebody is offering help and assistance in any way, learn to say yes, thank you, that would be great. Because if you say no, you're being stingy and you are robbing them of the joy of serving you, plus you probably need the help. <laughs> you probably really, <laughs> exactly. So true generosity, it's important to give, but it's equally important to receive. So let those people that are trying to help you, help you. Nice, very nice. Yes, let, let folks help you. That is so hard. I know, <laughs> but you'll get better at it. The more you practice saying yes, you'll get better at it. Yeah, it, it, and you know what? Uh, just if you think about it from your own perspective, I wouldn't offer to help somebody if I didn't mean it. Right. It didn't truly mean that I will absolutely help you. I would never offer if I didn't think I could follow through with that. So if whoever's offering you help, they're saying that because they really do mean they will help you. They're not just throwing it out there. <laughs> they really yeah. do want to help. So that's right. That's right. Yeah, let them do it. All right. Good advice. All right. Last question. Supposed to be my fun one. When you have a win in life, or it can it can be anything. A win is knowing that today you helped a family or knowing today you helped a healthcare professional turn that light bulb on and feel better about those conversations or there's a graduation or a new baby in the family or a wedding when you have a win in life how do you like to celebrate this was the easiest question you gave me so i'm a front porch freak i have a house with a front porch on it and so i'm in my porch swing with a cocktail listening to louis armstrong singing it's a wonderful world Oh, that, that is nice. my perfect way to celebrate anything. Very nice. Uh, yes. And we have had, I think that sounds wonderful. We have a nice front porch too, and I need to spend a little more time on it. 
But we have had some uh, great responses all over the map. But I always love it when somebody throws in a little cocktail. A little oh, yeah. We've had vodka martini. We've had um, our hospice doctor that we love so much pulled out a bottle of tequila. I uh, saw that. I saw that yes. video. In Dr. fact, my, my preferred cocktail for, I don't know, two, three years now was vodka cranberry club soda. But now I'm doing tequila on the rocks with a splash of cup, club soda. So I'm with him on the tequila. Yeah, he just a little shot of that and makes his day. I was like, well, that is perfect coming from and me. I, I can't do shots. I'm like, I, 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 on it. I, I can't do shots, but yeah, yeah that's kind of my, that's kind of my jam right now. That sounds good though. All yeah. right. Thank you so much. You did an amazing job. Thank you for all of your wisdom and insight. And I hope lots and lots of healthcare professionals see this um, and go to your website. We'll make sure all of that's available to them so that they can get more education and, and learn how to have these hard conversations. They don't have to be that hard, I don't think. So. I really would love that. They need it so badly. And again, my greatest joy, and it's I'm batting a thousand. It happens every single time. The way they come into it and at the end of the training, and it's only an hour, mm -hmm. um, it's just the, the look on their face is just lighter and they're smiling and they feel, they just feel relief because they get it. They get it. So that would be wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. And keep us updated on things with you and how things are going. And let's do this again. I would love it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Valerie.